circumstances, we have prepared together uh -huh. economic measures right. that will be swift, severe, uh -huh. and united. Yeah. Um, and then there was a whole bunch of other word salad stuff that she went through that just, uh, of course, it was Kamala, so it didn't make any sense, you know. And, and there was plenty of giggles, too. Good morning. We're talking about war. <laughs> like, um, can you not for just once? Hey, uh, thanks. We open up Monday here at almost $3,500 on our donations. Francis putting in 50 saying, love your show. Maybe we can meet someday. We have a lot in common. Well, Francis, you never know. We just might do that. Phyllis put in $100, and she said, I used to play softball for your dad's Pan American Speedway Raiders way back when. You're such a compassionate man, just like your dad. Maybe keep, please keep doing what you do. You're a true patriot, a voice of freedom these days. Stay after the blue leaders and keep them in line. You do make a difference, and we all love you. Thank you, Phyllis. These are the folks that have been donating to uh, our cause, which is the uh, San Antonio Food Bank. We had a $1,000 Friday, but it blew up to more like a $3,000 Friday because of you. And thank you very much. We're going to do it again, get another big push coming up this week. So anything that you can give, uh, just go to KTSA.com. That's where you're going to find the hoo-ha over there. And the red button that you punch and get a part of it. So it's Monday. We're diving back in. It's President's Day. It's a holiday for a lot of folks, but not for us. We are here and we are live. Cap Don Morgan right over there. Right over there is Chris. Right over there is Elaine. And we got the ball rolling. So now that we know that it is President's Day, the smallest and shortest president of all time was James Madison. James Madison weighed 100 pounds and was 5 feet 4 inches tall. <laughs> I am the president. <laughs> like, who's the 13-year-old boy as the president of the United States? Over well, I, I also did that Constitution thing. <laughs> so that's how it got started. We had middle school putting the whole thing together. Uh, the largest was William Howard Taft. You've seen those pictures. Um, he he weighed in at 330 pounds and actually got stuck in the bathtub Yeah, we, we heard that story for years. One of those things we talked about in school. <laughs> That's the last thing we need is a visual. A 330-pound president. Yeah. Well, and, and who do you call to get the president out of the bathtub? You know what I'm saying? I believe that falls under the jurisdiction of the vice president. That would be it yeah. there. Hey, Kamala. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, somebody call Giggles. Uh, the tallest president, as we all know. Abe Lincoln, six foot five. I think he's more like six six, somewhere around in there. Well, he was six ten with the with the hat. He really was. Yeah. yeah, that was a big old hat. Everybody have a good weekend. Everybody's good weekend. Uh, weekend is good. Okay, all right. There was a question that came up on one of the TV shows this morning about uh, a president who was actually a, a male model, a sitting model. You know who it was? Take a step. Uh, let's see. No. Just, okay, uh, Chris, you want to take a step? Male model, Elaine? Maybe, oh, I, I they, told Elaine. Maybe it was a, was a George Bush senior? Oh, you're pretty close. Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford. <laughs> yeah. Okay. In the 20s, he was a sitting model and knew how to sit there perfectly. I don't know if he you know, did the nudes or whatever. I have no idea. Yeah, but I'd he, rather not think about that either. Yeah, you know, we can move oh. on. A uh, $5 gallon gasoline, you're telling me, by Memorial Day, That's right? the prediction from yeah. some of the experts. Yeah, it's coming. Know? But you know, I, as I drove in this morning, I noticed there was a little bit of a drop compared to Friday when I... Really? Home. Yeah. Well, that's good news. I didn't right. see that. I I saw it go up. I over think the it was three oh nine. Yeah. When I came in Friday morning, and today it was three even. What do you care? So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> you got you got the car plugged into the back of the radio station. <laughs> big, big orange. Uh, I, I know when he's driving that car because the big orange extension cord is plugged into the back of the building. Right, yeah, that's nice. It's a good way to go. Is that why the lights are kind of yeah. yeah. That's why that's why tower number three is not operating. <laughs> I patched into that. That's right. Hey. Well, um, your car is blinking. <laughs> His car is broadcasting the station right yeah. now. But the, for anybody who wants to know, I did get express written pers- uh, the permission, permission from my wife to take her car this morning. Yeah, well, good. So. That's important. Mm-hmm. Five dollar gallon. All right. So I'm I'm thinking that's probably true. That's part of this whole uh, war thing that's going on. Yeah. You know, the great reset, which we can talk about. Mm-hmm. But what what was the story as to why? We're we're headed that way. What was the official story you had? Taking a story five dollars. Oh, let me go back to that. Okay. Um, All right, it doesn't matter. It's just I'm just wondering. The, it's because Russia is the second largest producer of ah. of oil, and if the they world. go to war, right. Yeah. Okay, well, um, so as you said, and ABC had it on this morning, everybody's talking about it. Joe Biden has agreed to meet with uh, Vladimir Putin as long as Vladimir Putin stays out of uh, Ukraine. It's a deal brokered by France, Emmanuel Macron. Um, they they said he agreed to an idea of a meeting. I just want to wonder who's Millie's on the phone with. That's the one you got to find out. Yes, VP Harris says that sanctions would absolutely deter Putin, despite saying he made up his mind. Ukrainian President uh, Zelensky is pleading with the U.S. to put the sanctions in now because um, after he attacks, what good is that? Harris was asked by a reporter if she felt the looming threat of sanctions would deter uh, deter Putin. She said, "Absolute. Um, we um, <laughs> we we strongly believe and remember also. Um, uh, this is I'm reading the quote. Uh, sanctions are product um, not only of our perspective, the, uh, but a." Uh, well, a shared perspective among our allies and the allied um, relationship. Sanctions is still a meaningful one, especially because, well, also remember, we still sincerely hope there's a um, a diplomatic path out of this moment. Um, and within the uh, context of the fact that the window is still opening, although um, open, although it's 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 narrow it's absolutely narrowing but within the context of a diplomatic path still being open the deterrence effect we we believe has um has merit she was asked during the security conference how the u.s would uh, disentangle itself from the conflict after imposing sanctions and possible military action i don't um we don't um consider ourselves to be entangled you don't consider the U.S. to be entangled. I mean, let's really take a moment to understand the significance of what we're talking about. It's been over 70 years, and through those 70 years, as I mentioned yesterday, there's been peace and security. As I mentioned, we are talking about the real possibility of war in um, in Europe. So our position is for us, you know, um, very clear. It's a leader, and, and we have been bringing together the allies, working together around our collective and unified position. We just, um, you know not just prefer we desire we believe it is the best interest oh god stop just stop just stop she's over there talking gobbledygook as they're trying to protect the border of ukraine and they have done not done one thing to protect our border she can't even go to our border she can go she can go to ukraine and she can go to you know poland and all those places over there in europe and talk about that 
because it's all part of the Zion Great Reset. You got to have gas prices go super high so more and more people buy the Teslas and those kinds of things and get out of these terrible vehicles and all that. The Great Reset, uh, Klaus Schwab. You should read it sometime. It's uh, it's great. You know, nighttime reading it'll put you to sleep, but it tells you what their plan is in controlling the population of the planet and what they're going to do and the endless wars and all that kind of stuff. Well. Um, heavily armed police descended on the Canadian truckers over the weekend. More about that. It is President's Day. The greatest president in the history of the United States. Who was it as far as you're concerned? Who do you think was the greatest president? 210-599-5555. The deterrent. If you pull the trigger on that deterrent, well, then it doesn't exist anymore as a deterrent. He has not conducted yet another invasion in Ukraine yet, and we want to get, we want, we still think there's time uh, to prevent that. So th- it's, a, it's supposed to be a deterrent. If you, if you punish somebody for something they haven't done yet, then they might as well just go ahead and do it. Oh, I see. That's uh, Mr. Kirby, Admiral Kirby over at the uh, State Department. It's, uh, no, he's at the Pentagon, right? Pentagon. 524 KTSA. Trey Ware here. Welcome to Monday. It is President's Day, February 21. Heavily armed police descending on Canadian truckers. You knew it was coming because we told you. They rolled in on Friday, spent a weekend aggressively pushing back the protesters, taking control of the trucks, loading the trucks up onto hooks, hauling the trucks out of there. Then Saturday, more, more, more. About 100 people arrested, towing away their big trucks. Scores of trucks left under increasing pressure. Police in tactical, tactical gear storming in. One of the biggest police enforcement actions in Canada's history. Authority, uh, authorities towing the trucks away because that's what you do when you're a dictator. You know, when somebody comes and stands in front of a tank, you run him over, you smush him. Yeah, that's, that's what dictators do. On Friday, police were, in fact, boxing in protesters and not allowing them to leave in peace deliberately escalating the situation in order to uh, carry on mass uh, arrests for the cameras. The crackdown on the Freedom Convoy began on Friday morning. Hundreds of police flooded the zone with automatic weapons and all their tactical gear. And aren't they big and aren't they bad? Big, bad dictator just to our north. Fits right in with a great reset. Triple jabbed Queen Elizabeth II, 95 years old, positive positive for COVID-19, experiencing mild coal-like symptoms. She got the three jabs. The things don't work. (laughs) They're not a vaccine. At best, they're a therapeutic to make you feel a little bit better. Prince Charles and Camilla had it. They went went and saw the queen. Now the queen has it. No, the vaccines are not a vaccine. The vaccine may make you feel a little bit better. While you have it, make you, you know, tolerate it a little bit better. But it's not a vaccine like a polio vaccine or something like that. It's not going to keep you from getting it. If you're going to get it, you're going to get it. New York Times, home of the the COVID-19 hypochondria. Set up the weekend, extending mask mandates has damaged children's social development. Well, (laughs) New York Times pushed those mask mandates on their pages for months, right? And now over the weekend, several studies do suggest that a mask mandate makes communication difficult, inhibiting children's ability to recognize one another or each other's emotions. No joke, Sherlock. You got their face covered up. How in the world are they supposed to, you know, tell if somebody's smiling or crying? I mean, these are supposedly adults running the New York Times. 
An indication of the damage done pointed out by Johns Hopkins, Dr. Marty Macquarie, over the weekend. Did you hear what they did with the new CDC guidelines over the weekend? Oh, you're going to love this part. This is the kind of thing they do over the weekend so nobody hears it, right? New CDC guidelines lower, lower early childhood speech standards for children. You know, it used to be that a child would be expected to know 50 words by 24 months. Now, give or take, right? But for the most part, 50 words at 24 months. Well, now, because these idiots screwed our children up, the CDC has adjusted that down and dumbed it down. Instead of 24 months, it can be 30 months or more before a child knows 50 words. You know, what they did with this, and, and especially where our children are concerned, we're going to be reaping what we have sown on this for generations to come. Five Boat invasion. handful of his songs i like just a handful and this is one of them everybody let's go well good morning san antonio 537 trey Ware, ktsa with don chris elaine and it's a good lead-in because we're going to talk about presidents it's president's day and what sports? Because we had plenty of presidents who were athletes. And one of them was a guy by the name of Lincoln. Lincoln, of course, there was no basketball back then. Well, not like a professional league or anything like that. He was an amateur wrestler in the 1830s. A wrestler. In fact, the Wrestlers Hall of Fame in 1992 recognized Abraham Lincoln. President Theodore Roosevelt Bully was, of course, the ultimate sportsman, right? He'd be, like, so politically incorrect day today because he, like, shot elephants and, right. you know what I'm saying, giraffe. If, if it could run from him, he would. That's right. <laughs> he would catch up to it yeah. and shoot it. Right. He was a boxer and a wrestler, and he played tennis and polo. He would regularly box at the White House. Come here. <laughs> We're going to settle this Ukraine issue right now. President Taft, as we noted earlier in the show today, was the heaviest at 330 pounds, being trapped in a bathtub. Mm -hmm. But when he was still there, by the way, <laughs> when he wasn't trapped in a bathtub, he was wrestling. Of course, what yeah, else would that right. man be doing? Come here, I'll sit on you. He's like the Hulk Hogan of his day, pretty much. President Herbert Hoover became went to Stanford University and was the manager of the baseball and the football teams, and he uh, organized rivalry football games between Stanford and the University of California, Berkeley. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, FDR, of course he attended Harvard, served as a cheerleader. That's what he was. Well, that makes sense. Uh, he was supporting the football team. President Dwight D. Eisenhower, he got around a little bit. When he went to West Point, he was a star running back on the football team, injured his knee in a game, and never went on the football field again. He was also a boxer, a cheerleader, 
and a fencer back then. A fencer. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, JFK. I mean, everybody knows about JFK. Um, uh, not a big-time athlete. Uh, let's see here. He was rather like frail. Some, yeah, they did like to play some touch football out there. He did. Yard, yeah, he did. 100-meter yeah. backstroke and 300-meter medley. So there you go. Uh, President Richard Nixon was the school's basketball team and a bench player for the football team. President Gerald Ford, standout on the football yeah. field. Everybody knew he was big right. time on the football field in the University of Michigan in the mm-hmm. 1930s. Go Wolverines, you know. There he was. That's back when they played with those leather helmets. Yeah, nothing at all sometimes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, who needs this? Right. Ronald Reagan excelled in football and swimming when he went to Eureka College in Illinois. President George H.W. Bush, of course, at Yale baseball team. Uh, President Bill Clinton, he played the field. Uh, George... <laughs> <laughs> he played in the back of his El Camino. He, did. Right. he really did. He played the cheerleaders. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, honey, come here. Yeah. Hey, hey, see, would you like to see my moves? Uh, George W. Bush, of course, baseball, and was played played fullback uh, on the football team as well. Here's one for you. A guy who loved basketball and still does, and the first thing he did when he moved into the White House was have a full-time basketball court installed. Barack Hussein Obama, not an athlete. Mm -hmm. Really? Really, dude. Really. And then Donald Trump was a big-time football player and ended up owning football uh, teams as well, USFL, which is back. He's not, he's not involved, though, is he? I don't think so. No. I don't think he's got a team or anything. But I, I think the generals are one of the names of one of the teams. Right. Something like that. i got to look into the league yeah. further. But anyway, yep, there you go. So, Excellent. President's Day today. I think, as far as my personal favorite, it's still George Washington. Incredible integrity. Great thoughts on the republic itself. When they were trying to, he had a lot of pressure when they were forming the government. And... Uh, there were those who wanted a monarchy or a very strong presidency, right? Kind of like what we have today, where the president, with his pen and his phone, can just you know dictate whatever he wanted. To. And and George Washington said, "Nope, nope." And he didn't want the capital named after him. He did not. You're absolutely right. It was in. It was, where was it at the time? Where were where were they meeting at the time? New York, and that's where he didn't want it named after him. Uh, in fact, the first thing he did, we, we were there, Elaine and I were there. It's very cool where he took the inauguration right there across from Wall Street. You were there the day he was inaugurated? The, the day it happened. Oh, you look great for your age. Thank you. It was actually awesome. that day. It was a very cool moment, too. I'm sure. <laughs> you know, here's... here's <laughs> it was January. That's right. You know, New yeah. York City, a little heck, cool. Heck yeah. of a party, baby. I bet it was. Woohoo! It was really cool, though, because... Um, they, they, the, you know, he left down the steps and walked around the corner to the church, and walked in the church. Took everybody over there for a church service. Mm-hmm. Right after he took the oath of office, mm-hmm. they had a big church service. We went to that church. Very tiny thing about the size of this, maybe a little bit bigger than this room. Small thing. When the twin towers came down, it was right across the street from the twin towers. They were also there in seventeen eighty nine. Right. So when they came tumbling down. All those other buildings were knocked down, destroyed, had some sort of damage or something. The church had nada, was not touched, and it was right up against mm-hmm. one of the Twin Towers. Right. I'll tell you something. Yeah. Kind of a cool moment. Should. Yeah.
Anyway, that's President's Day. We're just kind of jacking around with that. And we'll take some of your calls, 210-599-5555, as we continue our fast-paced look at the day's headlines. Trump's Truth Social has now appeared on the Apple App Store. They were doing a slow rollout, and people had signed up on it early and just wait, and they were just going to release bits and pieces. But, oh, no, all of a sudden, it was there on the App Store. It is there right after midnight last night. Uh, let's see, Dan Bongino, Sean Hannity, Turning Point founder uh, Charlie Kirk, and Travis Tritt, some of the notables that have already signed up for Truth Social. Oh, Chris, you got it? I can't get it because I'm not an Apple guy. It's only on Apple right now. So I'll have to come in and take a look at it here in a little while and see what it's all about. Traffic and Accu... For Vladimir Putin. It's Monday, President's Day, the 21st, February. Ernie, you're on KTSA with Trey. What's on your mind, Ernie? Yeah, hey, uh, Trey, can I give you three names or just one name? Oh, one name's good. Uh, uh, to me, the way I see it is uh, <clears throat> Donald J. Trump, number one. Okay. Uh, George Washington, number two. Okay. And FDR number three. And okay. I got a small question. Sure. Uh, what was the number car you were driving at, at the Daytona yesterday? Oh, I wasn't in the Daytona yesterday. <laughs> oh, not me. The number car I was driving was my couch. <laughs> but thanks for asking, Ernie, because that's where I was going to go. Austin Cendrick won the Daytona 500 yesterday. He was the Xfinity Series champion a couple of years ago. Yeah, it might have been what he was asking. Didn't you stick a number on the side of your couch? <laughs> I did, as a matter of fact. Number 55, always. Uh, Bubba Wallace was right behind Cendrick at the uh, finish line, the top five. Chase Briscoe, Ryan Blaney, Eric Almirola rounded out the top five. It was uh, at the 81st birthday, uh, 85th birthday of Roger Penske, who Cendrick drives for. So good birthday present for him. The Capitol fence is going back up. Yeah. Well, I guess you heard there's some truckers on the way to Washington, D.C. So the Capitol fence is being put back up as we speak. Got the State of the Union coming up on uh, March 1st. So, you know, they're thinking that, oh, no, those really bad white trucker dudes. Because you remember when BLM, the 2020 riots of BLM, injured and blinded more than 2,000 police officers across America? The BLM riots that result in the deaths of more than two dozen people and property damage worth more than $1 billion dollars the most expensive in insurance history. You know those BLM rides? Yeah. No, uh, they didn't put fences up for that. So this is all theater. This is just more kabuki for you. This is more stuff that they can show on a television. These bad truckers are arriving in D.C. we got to have this fence up with the National Guard walking around the fence to protect America from the ugly old, you know, Great American Patriot. It's all Kabuki theater, baby. It's all what we're putting out. It's all Goebbels all the time. The propaganda. Here's another lie. Here's another. These guys are coming to D.C. to blow us up. There are three convoys that are expected to head to Washington, D.C., although more may form. So time to put that capital fence back up. Get it back up. Quick, hurry. The truckers are coming. The truckers are coming. <laughs> okay. In Virginia... A mom confronted a school board there. The mother was talking about Senate Bill 739. She said, as you guys probably know, it's going to be signed into law very soon. And we're taking the power out of your hands and putting it back in the parents' hands. 
the way it should be and where it belongs. Well, that got the school board all upset. Their panties were in a wad. Yes, even the guy's panties were in a wad. The mom went on to say, it's very concerning that you guys would take the, the power away from the parents in the first place. And because you're taking the choice away from the parents and you're trying to put it into your hands, this bill is going to put it into our hands, the parents' hands. And what she was talking about primarily was the mask mandate thing that they have carried on in Virginia, although the governor has signed a piece of legislation that rescinds mask mandates in Virginia, the school boards in Virginia still pushing forward with a mask mandate that's ruining our children so much to the point that the CDC has dumbed down the development ages of, of numbers of words that kids need to know. It used to be 24 months, 50 words. Now it's 30-plus months, 50 words. Because of the stupidity of masks on children, and it is stupidity of masks on children, but that same mother standing in front of that same school board said, oh, by the way, looking up at one of the school board members, let me show you something here on my phone. Ma'am, you on the school board. Yes, you sitting up there on that die. Yes, you. Um, here's a picture of you on Facebook in a crowd of people, people all around you everywhere. That's it right here. You don't have a mask on. Where's your mask? You see, here's the hypocrisy of these people on these school boards. Here's the hypocrisy of what's going on in public schools across America today. I don't know I'm painting with a broad brush. I'm not talking about all public schools. But here's the hypocrisy of what's going on in public schools. They'll force a mask onto your children, but just like politicians in California who had a mask mandate in place for two years, and they wouldn't wear one. The politician would. Here's a school board member in Virginia caught red-faced. The school board member said, that's it, banging the gavel on the desk. And the mom said, uh, this is my time. I don't interrupt you. And the school board member said, no, 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 you shut up. Wow. Then they cut off the mom's mic. You are done, the school board member yelled. If you're going to sit there and disparage a member of our school board, you can sit down. Can we have a police officer up here, please? What did the mama do? The mama just cited a, a bill that's about to be signed by the governor that says the power goes back into the hands of the parents, and then she pulled out a picture of a school board member who is enforcing masks on children and showed a picture of her at a big party, big gathering, lots of people around without a mask on. That's all the mama did. And the school board shut. That's it. That's all she said. That's all she did. And the school board shut her mic on off and said, if you're going to disparage a member of our school board, you can sit down. Can I have a police officer up here? Remember, these are the same folks that called moms and dads who went to school board meetings terrorists. And then the mother asked, without the mic on, really, are you that scared of me? An officer came up to the microphone where the woman was still attempting to talk. Even though the microphone had been turned off, the woman said, are you really that afraid of me? What's the story here? The board member continued to loudly complain and scream that parents should not be able to show photos of them and their families, at which point, the woman, even without the, the mom, without the microphone on, 
said the, the, the policies have impacted our families, your policies of the school board. And that's when the school board member said, I'm done. Either she leaves or I do. And the school board member jumped up, threw her stuff down, grabbed her purse, and left the meeting. You see, in some of these places, these school board members think they're God or a goddess. And you're not going to challenge them. You're not going to ask questions. And you're certainly not going to point out their hypocrisy. They can put a stupid mask on your child's face, but they don't have to wear one. And when you point that out, they lose their S-word. Back in a minute. Not work. Boy, that's a fact. Thank you, Tucker, on that. Talking about AOC, Sandy Cortez. Who, by the way, you know that whole thing, I'm a socialist, I'm a socialist. When she screams all that stuff about being a socialist, right? And I... Really, I think she buys into communism because she, she'd love the state to own everything. Which is fine for us, the little people, but when it comes to her, you know, they have this thing in the Great Reset called elites. And the rest of us have to be controlled and put into a certain controlled environment. And we can't be free and all that kind of stuff, but the elites can live how they want to live. Well, that's what AOC did. Remember a couple of weeks ago when she was here in San Antonio stumping for another a, a couple of commies down here too? Remember that? Yeah, um, she's now been pictured on the airplane flying back to D.C. First class all the way, baby. You ride in socialist coach back there, you know, and you don't get alcohol, you don't get a meal, you get nuts. That's about it. That's about it. But not her. Somebody snapped some pictures of her sitting in front, front uh, first class, eating a great sandwich, having a salad, and a nice alcoholic beverage on her way back to D.C., AOC. How about that for hypocrisy? Oh, yeah. By the way, she lives in a nice area you know, of, of New York. She moved from uh, the Bronx to Yorktown Heights in Westchester. She drives a nice, expensive Tesla. She doesn't buy off on this crap. It's only you. Hey, by the way, it is President's Day. The first woman to run for the office of President Victoria Woodall in uh, 1872. She was in the Equal Rights Party. Her running mate, Frederick Douglass, also about the same time running uh, for President Hillary Clinton, and she still is trying. She's going to be running again in, uh, in 2024. It is Monday. It is President's Day. It's uh, the 21st. Good morning, 210-599-5555. I'm Trey. That's Elaine. That's Chris. And right over there is Don. We got your quick headline look this morning. Texas candidate. Speaking of female candidates, Sarah Stogner, 37-year-old Republican lawyer. She wants to be railroad commissioner here in the state of Texas. Well, she's kicked up a little bit of dust. She got some attention. Uh, and I thought that she was getting some good attention in the uh, race, but needed a little bit more because she's going up against Wayne Christian. So she went on Twitter and posted a semi-nude photo of her riding a pump jack out in the middle of an oil field. She had pasties on. You couldn't see everything. The stuff was covered, but she was riding the pump <laughs> in the oil field. <laughs> and the tweet said, they said I needed the money. I have other assets. I don't need the money. <laughs> the San Antonio Express has since pulled their endorsement of her, calling her stunt disgraceful. We expect candidates for public office to model civil discourse. No, you don't. Come on, Express. No, you don't. You really don't. She said, we have confirmed radium 226 and 228 in our groundwater 
And people are more concerned that I got on a pump jack and pasties last weekend to call attention to it. Y'all, I will use what I got. I'm not expect I'm not accepting money. I don't need anybody's money. There you go. It's an interesting photo. It's actually a video on TikTok of mm-hmm. this candidate, and she's not bad looking at all. She's right. actually very very decent, very nice looking. So she's not wearing a lot. Uh, she's she got she got panties and pasties on. All right. I see you've taken her fashion advice this morning. What the heck, Trey? You going to go out there and ride a pump as well? I'm That's thinking ridiculous. about it. Yeah. I could do it. I well, have done Warn it me before that happens. We can go live with this thing. All right? <laughs> that's right. Well, I'm not running for any office, and that's one of the reasons I'm not. <laughs> those pictures of me on a pump jack, totally yep. naked. Yeah, I don't right. think that coming up. Big man on campus, Leah Thomas, breaks another record, dominating Ivy League Women's Championship. This is the guy who likes to dress like a girl and swim at the University of Pennsylvania. Leah Thomas broke another Ivy League Women's swimming record over the weekend. Oh, aren't you special? On Saturday, yet another female athlete who dedicated her life to sport was unceremoniously erased from the record books as Leah Thomas, a man who's swimming with the girls, took in the first 100-meter race and then piled on top of that the 200 and the 500-meter. She also set, or he also set five individual records at the women's championships. Then there's Yale's Isaac Hennig, a female-to-male transgender swimmer who continues to swim on the women's team while taking the supplements to be a man. And the two of them dominated this weekend up in those uh, sports. Uh, You know, let's just do this. Why don't we just go to one team per sport? I'm going to buy off on the Dave Chappelle thing. If you're good enough to be in a sport, let's let's drop the WNBA. The L T L what is it L L G P L B L P G A drop that. Let's drop all the female sports, right? Because that's exactly what these guys are doing. By allowing these guys to participate in female sports, you're erasing female sports. The University of Pennsylvania, the NCAA, all the organizations that back this dude, he has to shave his legs to swim. This dude swimming with girls is winning all these meets, totally erasing women's sports and all the hard work that actual females have put in to get to where they're at. So why don't we just why don't we just get rid of the whole Title IX thing and you know just just, just go to let's just have an NBA and all these women's athletics. Let's just combine it all into one and and compete on a level playing field. Why don't we do that? Because that's what this does effectively. Just let them all compete. Now, Joe Biden was asked about this, or the Biden administration was asked about this, and now they won't say whether Leah Thomas's dominance in the NCAA women's swimming changes President Biden's position on transgender athletes competing. Now, during his 13 months in the White House, his administration has aggressively sought to ensure that biological males who identify as girls are allowed to compete in female athletics. He's been pushing it now the entire year. In fact, he campaigned on passing the Equality Act. The Equality Act would, would amend federal anti-discrimination law to make gender identity a protected category. And that bill, which hasn't passed yet, would require schools across the country to allow men to compete in female athletics. It would force it to happen. The Justice Department and the Education Department in reversals of the Trump-era positions have declared that barring men from girls' sports is a violation of Title IX. 
It's precisely why we have Title IX. It's not a violation of Title IX. It's why we have Title IX. So that women have their own sports that they can compete against other women in. They are totally decimating and destroying female sports. So let's just do it. Let's just pull the plug on female sports. No more female sports. If that's the way that they want to play, if that's the way they want to roll, let's, uh, equal playing field across. All right, ladies, you want to play basketball? Fine. Go over there and try out against LeBron and beat him. Because if LeBron went to the WNBA, he would score like 900 points a game. That's the reality of the situation. So, ladies, you want to play there? Then go play over there. Because that's what Joe Biden is pushing. That's what his administration is pushing. And that's what these whack job idiots who believe that it's okay for guys to compete with women. That's exactly what they're pushing as well. All right, uh, quick break here. 210-599-5555. You want me to do this one here, Chris? 210-599-5555. Well, we're still digesting uh, what happened in in August. (laughs) Okay. That's uh, Admiral Kirby. Good morning. It is 620. Trey Ware, KTSA. Let's pray to end hunger, says Heather. Thank you for allowing us to participate. God bless. She gave money, $50. Steve Sellers gave 25 Thank you for all you do. Thank you, Steve. Steve Estrada, 250 in honor, memory of my mother, Margarita Signs. Thank you, Steve. Robert says, God bless you, Trey, at a great cause. Happy Friday. Steve Klein says, thank you for all you do. Denise Winger, $100. Thanks, Trey, for making it so easy to give. And then Gracie Littlefield, $1,000. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. That's right, $1,000. So thank you very much for all that you guys are doing to help us uh, help others. That's what this does. And the site is ktsa.com, and you can go to the Treyware page or just smash that donate button, ktsa.com, smash the donate button. Uh, we're now at about thirty almost $3,500. You guys really showed up on Friday. We did a $1,000 Friday, and actually it turned out to be almost a $3,000 day, a $2,500 day on Friday, and thank you very much. Um, 98 cents of every dollar that you give goes to feed people. 90,000 people a week are fed by the San Antonio Food Bank. This is a campaign that I do every year for a few weeks where we do a drive ride to end hunger. Going to try to do a motorcycle ride in the middle of all this at some point. Going to try to get that organized. But right now we're asking for cash donations. We also have drop-off locations where you can go around. They're, they're there on the website, too, along with our sponsors. Uh, hopefully you'll choose to help our sponsors out as well because they're helping feed people, too. So if you just go to ktsa.com, you can smash that button and donate. It's so easy to do that. And thank you very much for all of your help. Really appreciate it. Well, um, an alleged Epstein pimp, Jean-Luc Brunel, discovered hanging in a French prison cell. Man, it's amazing all the people around in the maximum security prison, like Epstein was in a maximum security prison. So I guess we'll be finding out in the days to come about cameras that were turned off and people who uh, went to lunch break, you know, or maybe they went to sleep, took a little nappy, poo, or whatever. The 76-year-olds, I love how they put this in the news account, quote, apparent suicide, end quote, bears striking similarities to Epstein's death in August of 2019, where U.S. authorities later said that technical errors led to the closed camera television footage of the convicted sex offender's prison cell being lost. Well, apparently, 
Same thing happened here. In Paris, the security cameras were reportedly not working Saturday morning when Jean-Luc Brunel committed, committed suicide. And I, okay, any of y'all believe in any of this? Does anybody believe that these people are knocking themselves off? Oh, I'm not saying they're not scumbags because I watched the Netflix special on, on Epstein. He was a scumbag. That guy was a horrible human being for what he was doing to girls. But I don't believe he killed himself. And I don't believe this guy, this alleged pimp that was going out and finding women and bringing women to him, I don't believe he killed himself either. I think these guys, here's what I believe about this, and it's very obvious. These guys connected to some very, very powerful people who don't want you to know that they were involved. And what I've said about this from the very beginning, this isn't over until all of those guys are rotting in prison. It's not like, although he was, Epstein was getting these women just for himself. He was getting them for himself, but he was getting them for a lot of other very powerful people who liked to mess around with younger women. These powerful people, many of them, we are told, are still on the planet roaming around. Some of them had to get off of his island in a hurry. When you talk to the locals down there, you find out the stories of some very powerful people who were on his island, and when his island was about to be uh, taken over or viewed or whatever, they, they would have to get off in a hurry by boat in the middle of the night. That's what the locals will tell you down there. The locals, it was no, this is no secret. The, the locals know all about this. You can watch any number of these various uh, documentaries on Epstein and Little James Island and everything that was going on down there. And so, no. Do I believe for one minute that just it just so happened in the Epstein case, just so happened in this Jean-Luc case that you know, the, the cameras were uh, malfunctioning? My goodness. They just, uh, and at the moment of the malfunction, these guys hung themselves? Yeah. Oops. Okay. Right on. Well, we knew it was going to happen. Afghanistan is now becoming a breeding ground for jihadis again. The head of MI5 is now warning terrorists, the infrastructure, and the networks are reconstituting in Afghanistan once again. The regrowth of uh, al-Qaeda-style directed plots are now coming out of Afghanistan. You have aspiring jihadis who are traveling, and not really traveling, but pouring into Afghanistan right now to join up with these networks to go all over the world and commit these atrocious things like fly buildings into planes and kill a lot of people and, of course, America at the top of the list. So according to MI5, and they're pretty good, <laughs> I'd say they know what they're talking about. They're telling us now that Afghanistan is now a safe harbor once again, just like it was prior to 9-11, a safe harbor for all these terrorists, and they are reconstituting so they can send their terrorists out around the world. Mom, train robbery, and her son. Very interesting story out of Chicago this morning. I'm going to share that with you. And then some parents are upset about something that some, quote, non-binary people did last week i'll share that with you as well coming up here 210-599-5555 trey Ware on ktsa from my friends over at amogee amogee bank always here always ready 
always willing to work with you and always having the knowledge to be able to work with you on all of your financial needs. No matter how large or how small your situation is, your friends over at Amogee are geared up and ready to go. Now, that includes things like family-run businesses, from very large family-run businesses to just mom-and-pop type operations. You need somebody who knows technology. You need somebody who knows the financial world. You need somebody who's great at forecasting where everything is headed, right? And over at Amogee Bank, they have all of that and so much more available to you 24-7. And when I say 24-7, I mean you leave an email. They're going to come up with an answer for you and hit you right back. And a lot of times, they'll be able to team you up with somebody in your industry or who knows a lot about your industry to help you out and get you the answers that you're looking for so that you can grow your business to be all you want it to be. And, of course, they have the financial means of being able to back you up as well with loans and lines of credit. Whatever it is you need, you get it all from Amogee Bank. Amogee N.A., member FMO. And relay information back and forth. Gullis, spokesperson, says, quote, this was well known by the entire network. But that's not true. It came as a surprise to many staffers who read about it in the New York Times. And the fact that this is dripping out that way, it's dripping out through leaks, that adds to the frustration inside CNN. I'll tell you, Brian, it's great watching the implosion over there. You guys deserve it. I don't know if an organization has ever deserved this more than anybody. You guys, for years, have trafficked in un-American, anti-American, pro-leftist uh, propaganda. So to see you dissolving and imploding is absolutely cool. Hey, it's Monday. It's President's Day. He's Don. He's Chris. She's Elaine. I'm Trey. And uh, mom sitting home watching TV the other day. Not my mom. A mom in Chicago. Sitting home watching TV the other day. And she says, hey, wait a minute. This uh, guy had gone and taken a gun and held up a train in downtown Chicago. And you know how the cops, they like to put up, you know, the best image they can get, right? So she goes, wait, just a minute. She puts her glasses on and gets closer to the TV. (laughs) No. Yes, it is. It's her 18-year-old son, Zion Brown, a sophomore at Loyola. So mama gets up, says, come with me, boy. (laughs) Uh Oh, <laughs> That's never good when that happens. Uh-uh. No. And so Zion says, Where are we going? She says, I'm marching your butt down the police station. Let's go. And she, mama, g- grabbed her 18 year old boy who had stolen allegedly, supposedly, reportedly $100 in cash at gunpoint from a Metro train conductor on Tuesday. She flat grabbed him by the collar and took him down to the police station and said, Here is. He is, and uh, got they got him, and so he's been booked and charged and the whole nine yards. Good on that, Mama. Right. That's a hard. Imagine a tough how hard it must to be. Make for her, yes. You know, or he, maybe it wasn't. Well, maybe he's a little jerk and he had a gun. Through. Well, judging from experience, it was not a hard decision. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know what? <laughs> yeah. There are times when right. you just want to take them down there, even though you know they haven't done anything. Yeah. Just, here, let's go. That's true. <laughs> You're going to jail. <laughs> so anyway, uh, he's going to spend a little time in jail. We'll see what, what it ends up to be. But yeah, I mean, come on. You see your son on TV as the bank or the train robber, and then you decide, I'm taking him mm-hmm. in. 
Right. You're going in? Sure. That's one of the reasons I never got in trouble. Well, I mean, I did. I'm not, I, I was no angel, but you know what I'm saying? I never right. got into big trouble. I knew my dad wasn't going to cut me no slack. He would tell me, you, you would make one phone call, and it's to call your mama to tell her where you are if you're in jail. That's it. Don't say, come get me. Because <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Never. Just call your mama and say, I'm down here in jail. That's it. That's all you got to do. The rest of it's up to you. Right. One one of the times I was cutting class, I was dumb enough to go home. Ooh, he yeah. cut class. Chris. Well, I didn't realize my mother was home, and she <laughs> walked me right into the principal's office. Uh-huh. Oh, man. That's right. Be here. Yeah. That's right. You got that right. Yeah. That, you know, our parents didn't cut no slack back in the day, man. They, oh. were, they were hardcore about it. Today, nah, it's like, oh, my poor baby, don't I'll you? Hire a lawyer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm going to sue the school. Or I'm going to sue the city for being mean to my child. Mm-hmm. And not this mama. Right. She was serious about it. I think I asked my parents once, what would happen if I get arrested? They said, don't you, don't call us. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, my dad said that exactly. Yeah, don't call me. Don't you can call, call your mama yeah. and tell her where you're at. And right. that's it. I didn't even get that. Just don't call. Yeah, we're not we're well, not coming to get you. You don't come home, we'll figure it out. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, actually, actually, yeah, one time I didn't come home, and they just called downtown and said, you got him down there? And they said, nope. It's okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> Never did that again. I found right. out, no, that didn't work out so well. Parents are furious. Weaver Elementary School, CH Elementary School kids, 6 to 10, something like that, 6 to 11 maybe. Los Alamitos Unified School District in Los Angeles, very woke school. Well, they had a camp. They went to an organized science camp, Camp Poly, P-A-L-I. And it's a pretty, well, woke place, too. In fact, they sent out a PowerPoint presentation to the parents. Said, well, yes, of course. We're going to have fantastic places to go and peace. You know, the whole thing is going to be wonderful for the kids to go to, elementary school kids. And we will be following California law by placing staff in cabins. But they didn't say that they were going to be placing what's called non-binary men in the cabins with the little girls. And they did. Look, uh, non-binary is not a real thing. It's a made-up term. (laughs) It's a made-up term by perverts, in my view, who want to hang out with with people of the opposite sex, primarily men who want to hang out with girls. I'm non-binary, you know, so I want to hang out over here with the girls because I'm non-binary. It's a made-up term. So it, it, in fact, it's all made up. These are guys. These are men who the woke school put them at the camp in the place where the little girls were sleeping and never said a word to the parents. The PowerPoint presentation sent to parents by the district didn't say a word. The men, full-grown men, from the school, would be sleeping with the little girls, showering, going to the restroom, until the little girls came back from the camp. And the little girls started to tell mom and dad that there were full-grown men sleeping in there. The school's answer, well, they're non-binary, you see. 
They use the pronouns they, them. They don't have, uh, you know, one sex, so they're not really men sleeping with girls. They're non-binary. They don't really have a gender, so there you go. Which is a load of C-R-A-P, all in caps. That's a load of crap in caps. Because, of course, they have a gender. They're men. At the Los Alamitos Elementary School, being shoved in there with little girls to camp. Now, we were just joking around about our parents' time and how our parents, you know, didn't take no crap and, you know, they would, would you know, stand up and do what was right. Today, it's a different world out there. And we must, as parents and grandparents, know what's going on in our child's school. Again, plenty of good schools, plenty of good teachers, plenty of good administrators. But all it takes is a handful to screw up everything and to screw up these girls for the rest of their lives. What went on in there? Who knows? I'm going to guess that there's going to be stories that are going to come out, maybe. We do know that they were that the girls knew that those were men. So we'll find out. But uh, just an awful, awful circumstance. And the way we are treating our little girls these days is criminal. By allowing men to participate in their sports, by allowing men to sleep with them on, on getaways, camping expeditions and things, it is absolutely 100% criminal. All right, quick break. 210-599-5555, the Pledge of Allegiance coming up. I want to tell you about our friends over at Spawn Law, S-P-A-H-N at Spawn Law. You are treated with the ultimate respect. You're taken care of in all of your questions about estate planning. This guy is the top estate planning attorney in the state of Texas for any number of reasons. He knows the state law for Texas. He knows the federal laws for estate planning. So every one of your assets is protected all the way, taken care of all the way. They look over it at, at Matt Spawn's uh, office. They come up with a plan to transfer your assets when and to whom you want them to go to. And then all the worry, all the concern about it is removed from you as they sit down and put together a plan that will work to transfer your assets when you want them transferred. And you don't have to worry about a judge or probate court eating into that with some enormous costs. You took care of it today with Matt Spawn, S-P-A-H-N. Be sure you tell them Trey Ware told you to call. That's Matt Spawn, 210-88. Two points to finish the week at 34079. All right, well, let's get with Carl Eggers, creatingrichalives.com, and see what he thinks out of all this mess in Ukraine and everything else. Good morning to you, Carl. Good morning, Trey. What do you think, you? man? What's going on? Well, I mean, look, this is this news coming out is like a ping pong match, right? We know we know that back and forth. Yeah. You know, summit, no summit. They're they're about to pull back. They're not. They're at the. So, bottom line is that this is the latest thing that's causing you know the markets to to go back and forth a little bit. But really, the story's bigger than that. I mean, it's this is more a function of. You know, everybody really trying to to bogey how many times the Fed's going to raise rates, how aggressive they're going to be. That's really the bigger issue because, you know, if you look at the the stocks in this market that are the frothiest that really benefit from low interest rates, they're the ones really getting hit right now. And so, as we've talked about, as money's p- coming out of the market in terms of stimulus, that's really what the what the market's struggling with here. And it's fascinating right now, Trey. We also have, you know, retail sales is still people. It's still very high. People are still spending money, but yet consumer confidence 
is is going down and continues to fall. So you have a really bifurcated situation where people don't feel great, but they continue to spend money. But I think as gasoline prices continue to seep into this economy, housing affordability is going down. You know, I think at some point you're going to see retail sales start to flatten out a little bit because I, I kind of feel like the economy is starting to slow, um, and we're starting to see little pieces of it. And again, that's the struggle: is that is the Fed going to be as aggressive as they say and trying to slow things down when it's already slowing on its own? So, how aggressive will they be? I think J.P. Morgan came out today and said they think the Fed's going to raise rates nine times. I, I find that hard to believe. We have a couple of uh, other headline stories today. One is a prediction of $5 a gallon gasoline by Memorial Day. Um, and, of course, it could have even you know higher than that, depending on what happens in Ukraine. That's just under normal circumstances that prediction is being made. The other is some moves that were made last week by the Department of Homeland Security Chief Alejandro Mayorkas, who stripped the border protections from U.S. graduates. So now... There are a million and a half uh, foreign workers in white, co- in, you know, ready for white collar jobs. We we know about blue collar jobs, but now white collar jobs. The competition has been opened up now to foreign workers, to those million and a half flooding the uh, flooding the program. And what they can do is they can take uh, a number of jobs and then turn around and offer those jobs out to even more foreign workers coming here. Bottom line is. Uh, white-collar jobs for Americans who are graduating are no longer protected. Alejandro Mayorkas took that off. So you talked about homes a second ago. That's going to drive down, you know, uh, wages because you're going to have a lot of people competing for those white-collar jobs now, while at the same time driving up the price of homes because the the list of a million and a half new foreigners coming in to take these white-collar jobs, it's going to be a very difficult time for white-collar American workers. Yeah, this is it's not something people probably pay attention to that much, but the labor market is really the most interesting we've seen in decades. When you have a bunch of people quitting, a bunch of people retiring, we have you know a, a lot of just what you talked about coming in. We have employers that are saying, we need help, and there's not necessarily people wanting to fill those positions, but then we have this, this situation where we have these workers coming in. So it's kind of like, where's the supply-demand balance in this? And at the same time, employers are being forced – to pay more money right now because they, they have been employees have been demanding it and we're seeing inflation pick up. But if you're, you're right, if supply continues to come in over the long term here, obviously then there's more competition. Wages would flatten out at some point, but we're in a really interesting labor market and corporations are really struggling, trying to figure out, do we have the right workers at, the, at a fair wage, and that's what's really in, in flux right now. Yeah. CreatingRichAndLives.com is where you, where you find Carl Eggers. He's always there and ready to visit with you, and he's here on Monday morning. Thank you very much, Carl. So Biden and Putin have agreed in principle, uh, agreed to, quote, an idea of a meeting. What would come out of such a meeting? But anyway, uh, the French president, Emmanuel Macron, has been pushing for this. He has brokered this, trying to get Biden together with Putin. I got to tell you, doesn't make me feel any easier or better with Joe Biden meeting with Vladimir Putin. Okay. Putin's smarter. Putin, Putin is stronger. Putin uh, can outmaneuver Joe Biden. Joe Biden, as we well know, has cognitive issues. We That's well documented, well known. And he's going to be going up against one of the most, I think, uh, 
devious minds that has ever played this game. Former KGB superstar Vlad Putin. So this is going to be interesting to see. We'll get around to this and all the other news of the day with Ware and Rima. And Sean is back. That's coming up next, KTSA. KTSA.